From Silicon Valley to Wall Street, the promise and perils of artificial intelligence are playing out on the world stage. But what will the next phase of AI adoption look like? Which companies from big tech to startups will dominate? And where do the risks and unintended consequences lie? I'm Emily Chang. Join me at Bloomberg Tech in San Francisco, May 9th, to answer many of the industry's burning questions. Alongside SNAP's Evan Spiegel, Xbox president Sarah Bond, OpenAI's Brad Lightcap, top researcher Dr. Fei-Fei Li of Stanford, and many more. More details and just a few tickets left at Bloomberg.com slash TechSF. Markets, headlines, and breaking news 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Bloomberg Business app, and at Bloomberg Quick Take. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. I'm Nathan Hager watching futures move higher ahead of July CPI, an inflation print that will shape investor expectations on the direction of Federal Reserve interest rate hikes. We check the markets every 15 minutes during the trading day on Bloomberg. S&P futures are up 10 points. Dow futures up 59. NASDAQ futures are higher by 43 points. Ten-year treasuries up 230 seconds. The yield 2.76%. Yield on the two-year 3.23%. NYMEX crudes down eight tenths percent or seventy three cents, eighty nine dollars seventy seven cents a barrel. Comex gold is down a tenth percent or two dollars twenty cents at eighteen ten ten an ounce. The euro one point zero two two three against the dollar. British pound one point two zero nine zero. The yen is at one thirty four point nine two. That's a Bloomberg Business Flash. And now here's Michael Barr with more on what's going on around the world. Michael. Nathan, thank you very much. Former President Donald Trump will be questioned under oath today in the New York Attorney General's long-running civil investigation into his real estate dealings. Monday, FBI agents searched his Florida estate as part of an unrelated federal probe. The FDA signed off on the Biden administration's plan to stretch out the limited supply of monkeypox vaccine. The White House said it would make the currently 440,000 available doses into more than 2 million smaller doses. In baseball, the Yankees lost to the Mariners one zip in 13 innings. The Mets beat the Reds 6-2. The Red Sox, Giants, and A's lost. The Nationals and Orioles won. Global News, 24 hours a day on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take. Powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr. This is Bloomberg, John. Michael, thank you. It is 549 on Wall Street, and we are live from the Bloomberg Interactive Broker Studios. The U.S. Justice Department preparing to sue Google as soon as next month. Let's take a deeper dive into the story this morning. We're joined live by Alex Webb, the Bloomberg Quick Take tech correspondent, joining us from our London bureau. This is an antitrust case, and uh, how far back does this go? What allegedly did Google do or is doing? This really focuses on uh, the the control that Google has over multiple stages of the I'm really sorry I have some other audio playing in my ear and it's very very hard to hear anything um I'm sorry just to say that on air um I so this really focuses on Google's control of three points in the advertising ecosystem they have the demand side platform the buy side platform the sell side platform I should say and the ad exchange in the middle of that and the ad exchange uh has the ability given they control all three of those parts of the system to uh 
ultimately determine prices in a way that is favorable to Google. Now, we don't know whether Google does this, but but other regulators have said they don't have visibility into whether Google does this. That in and of itself is a problem, the lack of visibility. So by unpicking that and getting to grips with the matter, there is the opportunity to hold Google more accountable. Okay, the buying and selling of ads online. How much How much is this worth? What, what kind of money are we talking here? This business for Google is about a $22 billion business. Uh, that is clearly not the lion's share of its advertising revenue, which predominantly comes from search. But it does control a lot of the advertising that happens on the web um, outside of Google's platform. So if you go to a newspaper website or another form of media, you will often find that the av- adverts that are served to you are actually served to you by Google. Um, it means that Google has vast control over the advertising ecosystem around the World Wide Web, and advertising is what funds vast tracts of the World Wide Web. So even if it isn't the lion's share of Google business, it has vast implications for advertising globally. And one should say that a $22 billion business is still bigger than the annual revenue of WPP, which is the world's biggest advertising agency. Yeah, it's not chump change. Um, when I turn my computer on, Google comes up as the default search engine. Is that something separate? Because I know there's legal action with respect to that. How does that figure into this, if at all? So that, that is a separate issue. Uh, there is also, though, in Europe, there has been some attention on the bundling that has happened and that Google used to say, you know, if, for example, you were a newspaper website and you wanted to have a function which let people search historical stories, well, Google offered the opportunity to use its search engine to search the stories on your website. But what it would do is it would say, well, if you're going to use that, you also have to use our ads system. That was deemed anti-competitive or considered anti-competitive um, by authorities here. And so the approach that Google takes to bundling these things, to not separating in this instance the um, the demand side and the, and the sell side of the advertising um, ecosystem is where they get in trouble. And, you know, if you think about financial services, you know, buy side and sell side in a bank have to be have to have strict chinese walls between them and visibility for regulators between the two so there is a comparability there i, I love the fact that when under pressure a big tech company will bring up small business like you know it's mom and apple pie what um real quick about 30 seconds the what is the google response to all this they of course you know deny that 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 there is a case here. Um, they have offered. There have been. Dis- it's been mooted that they talk about maybe separating some of these things internally. The response to that that others have made is that ultimately an internal separation doesn't solve the problem because it's still Google. So, yeah. you know, they'll fight this tooth and nail. But it's it's certainly forward movement that the uh, authorities are cracking down on us. Bloomberg Quick Take correspondent Alex Webb. Alex, always a pleasure. Thanks and. Uh, we are uh, up to 5.53 on Wall Street. Nathan. Yeah, we are, John. It's time now for our Bloomberg Law Report. Let's get to the legal stories we're watching this morning. Here's Bloomberg's Jeff Bellinger. The newest member of the Federal Trade Commission is looking to hire a psychologist for his staff to focus on the impact of social media platforms on young people. A lawsuit filed in a Montana federal court charges that DirecTV failed to pay technicians and installers for time spent driving company vehicles from their homes to their first job sites and back after work. Conservation groups told a federal court that gray wolves are at risk because the Fish and Wildlife Service has not yet decided whether the wolves warrant further protection under the Endangered Species Act. 
Bloomberg Law. Everything you need, all on one legal research platform, including guidance, analysis, and Bloomberg Market Intelligence. Find out more at BloombergLaw.com. Right now to another legal story we're watching. The Justice Department is charging four current and former Louisville police officers in connection with the fatal shooting of Breonna Taylor during the search warrant that was being uh, executed in 2020. Three of those officers weren't even at the scene of the shooting. They're accused of lying in order to get the warrant to search Breonna Taylor's home and trying to cover their tracks later. For more on the case, Bloomberg's June Grosso speaks with Amy Dillard, a professor at the University of Baltimore Law School. We see the Justice Department stepped into the George Floyd killing and Mm -hmm. the Ahmaud Arbery killing. And here you have another high-profile case where her name became a rallying cry for Mm -hmm. racial justice. And activists were on the phone and in the streets calling Mm -hmm. for arrests. Does that motivate the Justice Department as well? What I think we can see is a Justice Department that is operating with this approach to review cases where state prosecutors have made choices about how to pursue criminal charges and to investigate and determine whether federal charges are warranted and taking those potential cases before federal grand juries. So I think that we might see that the three are a pattern of the Justice Department's approach to investigating these cases where people have been killed, in two of those cases by police officers, and the Justice Department Department may be either dissatisfied or think that there's not been a thorough and complete investigation of those cases. Justice has been investigating the Louisville Police Department and reviewing complaints of the regular use of unreasonable force. But the indictments here don't charge either of the officers who shot Taylor. They fired a total of 32 rounds. Why aren't they being charged? So I actually think that these indictments are the kind of indictments that get at systemic problems in policing. So what's been indicted here are the officers who lied in the affidavit that they submitted to the judge to obtain the search warrant to go into Brianna Taylor's apartment at all. And not only the lying in the affidavit, but subsequent to the police killing Brianna Taylor, the Justice Department here has alleged that those officers engaged in a sustained cover-up and in a sustained effort to obstruct justice and lied to multiple federal agencies. You know, looking at that conduct by police officers might not be as satisfying as the criminal law aspect of who should be held accountable for Breonna Taylor's death. But I think if we push back a little, we can see that all of these people may be responsible in part for Breonna Taylor's death. And the officers who lied in that affidavit set into motion the chain of events that resulted in her death. That's Amy Dillard, a professor at the University of Baltimore Law School, speaking with Bloomberg's June Grosso. Catch more of that interview plus analysis of the latest legal news by subscribing to the Bloomberg Law Podcast or downloading the show at Bloomberg.com slash podcast. And attorneys can find exceptional legal research and business development tools at BloombergLaw.com and on the Bloomberg Terminal 
at B-Law Go. Looking ahead to July CPI, futures are moving higher. We have S&P futures right now up 9 points, Dow futures up 62, NASDAQ futures are higher by 40 points. The 10-year Treasury is up 132nd, the yield 2.77%, yield on the 2-year 3.24%. NYMEX crude is down 8 tenths percent or 74 cents at $89.76 a barrel and Bitcoin trading right now around $23,000. Bloomberg Daybreak continues. This is Bloomberg. Broadcasting live from the Bloomberg Interactive Broker Studio in New York. Bloomberg 1130. To Washington, D.C. Bloomberg 991. To Boston. Bloomberg 1061. To San Francisco. Bloomberg 960. To the country. Sirius XM Channel 119. And around the globe. The Bloomberg Business App and BloombergRadio.com. This is Bloomberg Daybreak. It's 5.30 on Wall Street. Good morning. I'm John Tucker. I'm Nathan Hager. We're about four hours away from the open of U.S. trading. Let's get you up to date on the news you need to know at this hour. All eyes are on this morning's inflation report. Economists predict a deceleration in consumer prices for July after a hotter-than-expected June reading. Sylvia Jablonski is CEO at Defiance ETFs. Even if it surprises us to the downside, which would be positive for equities, I think we'll get a little rally off of something like that. It doesn't really change the picture in the short term in terms of what the Fed has to do to get to neutral. Sylvia Jablonski of Defiance ETF says the recent market pullback is presenting opportunity for long-term investors. And this morning we're learning about the impact of President Biden's Inflation Reduction Act. It's set to become law in the coming days, and one major bank says the bill will hardly impact prices at all. Bloomberg's Renita Young joins us now live with that story. Good morning, Renita. Good morning, John. The Inflation Reduction Act is estimated to reduce the federal budget deficit by about $300 billion over the next decade. But J.P. Morgan Chase economists say the law will have almost no effect on the price growth that's currently running at the fastest pace in four decades. The nonpartisan Congressional Budget Office, the Committee for a Responsible Federal Budget, and the Penn Wharton Budget Model all agree that the legislation will have a minimal influence on inflation. Live in New York, I'm Renita Young, Bloomberg Daybreak. Okay, Renita, thanks. Let's talk corporate earnings now. Walt Disney is set to release its quarterly results after the market's close today. Bloomberg's Jeff Bellinger has a preview. Bloomberg Intelligence says the entertainment giant appears to be firing on almost all cylinders. Disney Plus is doing well. The consensus is that the streaming video service added 9.7 million subscribers during the quarter. The loss of the streaming rights to Indian Premier League cricket could force Disney to cut its subscriber targets. Demand at theme parks has been strong. That division may report an operating profit that exceeds consensus. Jeff Bellinger, Bloomberg Daybreak. All right, thanks, Jeff. Earnings in the crypto space also disappointing today, Coinbase posted a record, a record second quarter loss and lower than expected revenue. And we're learning this morning, John, about another share sale by Elon Musk. He has unloaded another nearly $7 billion in Tesla stock, according to regulatory filings. The sale comes as Musk faces legal challenges in his bid to pull out of a deal to buy Twitter. S&P futures ahead of the CPI report up 10 points. Dow futures up 62. Nasdaq futures are higher by 44 points. The 10-year Treasury is up 3.30 seconds. The yield 2.76%. Yield on the two-year 3.23%. Bitcoin about $23,000. Straight ahead, your latest local headlines and a check of sports. This is Bloomberg. 
And that brings us to 5.33 on Wall Street. Time to bring in Michael Barr with more on what else is going on in New York and around the world. John, thank you very much, sir. A deadly bus crash on the New Jersey Turnpike last night. Authorities say a double-decker bus transporting passengers from New York to Philadelphia overturned near Woodbridge. Sergeant Lawrence Peel of the state police spoke to reporters. We are confirming right now one fatality and five serious injuries as a result of the collision. The bus also hit a pickup truck. Former President Donald Trump will be questioned under oath today in the New York Attorney General's long-running civil investigation into his dealings as a real estate mogul. Trump confirmed it in a post on his Truth Social account. The White House says President Joe Biden and aides were not given a heads-up or briefed on the FBI raid on former President Trump's Mar-a-Lago estate and learned about the search from public reports. White House Press Secretary Karine Jean-Pierre. President Biden has been unequivocal since the campaign. He believes in the rule of law, in the independence of of the Justice Department investigations. Spokesperson Karine Jean-Pierre. Primary elections were held in four states. Tim Michaels, who is backed by former President Trump, won the Wisconsin GOP gubernatorial nomination with 40% of the vote over former Lieutenant Governor Rebecca Clefish, who was endorsed by former VP Mike Pence. Michaels thanked his supporters late last night. Since I was a young boy where I helped farmers bale hay and pick rocks, I know how to do a hard day's work. And the hardworking people of Wisconsin deserve to have a leader who understands how hard they're working and will lead by example. Tim Michaels will face Democratic Governor Tony Evers in the general election. In Connecticut, another Trump-endorsed candidate won her GOP primary. Leora Levy won the U.S. Senate primary with more than 50% of the vote in a three-way race. Levy will face Democratic incumbent Richard Blumenthal, who ran unopposed. In District 4, Republican Jamie Stevenson beat Michael Goldstein with more than 60% of the vote for a U.S. House seat. Stevenson will run against Democratic incumbent Jim Himes. Global News, 24 hours a day on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr. This is Bloomberg John. Michael, thank you. It's now 535 on Wall Street. Time for the Bloomberg Sports Update, and here's John Stashower. Thanks, John. Another one nothing loss for the Yankees after this past Saturday in St. Louis. Last night in Seattle, Mariners won one nothing in 13 innings. Neither team could score despite the rule now where the extra innings begin with a runner at second base. In both the 10th and 11th, the Yanks killed their scoring chance. First, Andrew Benintendi got picked off. Then Jose Trevino got thrown out between second and third. Aaron Boone was asked about base running blunders. Mistakes. I mean... You know, obviously, you know, where runs are, are really tough to come by, um, you know, it's, it's been one of the real strengths of this team, so I don't want us to lose our aggressiveness, but, but obviously we got to be a little smarter. Mariners won with a couple of hits in the 13th, thought Jonathan Mawaisaga. The Mets with their 6-2 win over the Reds at City Field now have a better record than the Yankees. Carlos Carrasco with his 13th win of the year, home runs for Francisco Lindor and Jeff McNeil. Mets have won 14 of their last 16 in the last four wins. They've only allowed a total of seven runs. They still lead the Braves by seven games. Rangers announced a new captain, 28-year-old hard-hitting defenseman Jacob Truba, getting ready for his fourth season with the Blue Shirts. Rangers have been without a captain since Ryan McDonough left in 2018. In golf, Cam Smith, the Aussie who won the Open Championship last month, latest to join the new Live Tour. Serena Williams will retire after the upcoming U.S. Open in New York. She's won 23 majors, one shy of a record that really needs an asterisk because Margaret Court 
won many of hers at a time when pros didn't even play in the majors. Serena is the goat of women's tennis, and she said she's ready to move on to new things. John Stashauer, Bloomberg Sports. John? All right, John, thanks a lot. 537 on Wall Street, and it's time now for the Tri-State Business Report. For that, we're joined by Bloomberg's Ed Corey. Chipotle Mexican Grill has agreed to pay $20 million to an estimated 13,000 current and former employees of its restaurants in New York City. The money would settle a claim that the chain repeatedly violated laws governing sick leave and scheduling. The fast casual chain will also pay a million-dollar fine. The pandemic-era freeze on student debt payments has improved credit scores for borrowers. That's according to the Federal Reserve Bank of New York. About 30 million people saw improvements in their risk profile with the biggest gains going to those who were delinquent before the pandemic. Atlantic City casino dealers opposed to smoking indoors are rejecting designated outdoor smoking areas. Employees could opt out of staffing. The leader of a group of casino workers says the opt-out suggestion is not the solution to protect workers and customers. That's your Bloomberg Tri-State Business Report. I'm Ed Corey. All right, thanks, Ed. 538 on Wall Street. Bloomberg Radio is on the air from San Francisco to New York, London to Hong Kong. And let's check in now with our global news team for some of the top stories heard on our 300 affiliate radio stations around the world. I'm Steve Potusk, and on KNX in Los Angeles, we're talking about the sweet green salad chain slashing its revenue forecast for the year. I'm Courtney Dunahoe on KFAB in Omaha. Inflation is wreaking havoc on breakfast, with egg prices up almost 50% in a year. I'm Gina Cervetti, and for WBBM in Chicago, it looks like Big Ten football fans will have a few options for watching college sports next year. I'm Stephen Carroll on Bloomberg DAB Digital Radio in London. We've been reporting on warnings of blackouts this winter in the UK amid an energy supply crunch. I'm Ed Corey on WTAM in Cleveland. I'm reporting Akron's Signet Jewelers is buying Blue Nile. Eddie, it's 539 on Wall Street. The following is an editorial from Bloomberg Opinion. This editorial was written by the Bloomberg Editorial Board. Oh, what portents are these, demands a character in Shakespeare's Henry IV. Former President Donald Trump may well be wondering the same after FBI agents searched his home at Mar-a-Lago on Monday. The rest of the country could use some answers, too. This is a fateful moment for U.S. democracy. Whatever happens next and wherever the investigation leads, there can be no unringing this bell. So it's essential that Americans get a sober, transparent explanation for these latest developments. The sheer amount of unpunished wrongdoing that occurred under the Trump administration has many people cheering this extraordinary intervention. But it is nothing to celebrate. Trump himself has tested the American system in ways unseen since the 19th century. It is critical that the pursuit of justice does not merely compare pound the damage. This editorial was written by the Bloomberg Editorial Board. For more Bloomberg Opinion, please go to Bloomberg.com slash opinion or O-P-I-N-Go on the Bloomberg Terminal. This has been Bloomberg Opinion. And Bloomberg Opinion editorials can be heard every weekday at this time. Terminal customers can read more at O-P-I-N-Go. And the Bloomberg weather for today. Clouds giving way to partial sun. Chance of a shower or thunderstorm behind today in the mid-80s. Showers, maybe a thunderstorm tonight. 
Lows in the mid-70s tomorrow. Chance of morning showers then, partly sunny. Markets, headlines, and breaking news 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Bloomberg Business App, and at Bloomberg Quick Take. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. Good morning, I'm Nathan Hager. Futures are moving higher this morning ahead of U.S. inflation data that will shape investor expectations for further Federal Reserve interest rate hikes. We check the markets every 15 minutes during the trading day on Bloomberg. S&P futures are up 12 points. Dow futures up 75. NASDAQ futures higher by 53 points. The DAX in Germany is up three-tenths percent. The CAC in Paris is higher by a tenth percent. The 10-year Treasury is up 3.30 seconds. The yield 2.76 percent. Yield on the two-year, 3.23 percent. NYMEX crude is down two-tenths percent or 20 cents at $90.31 a barrel. COMEX gold down two-tenths percent or $3.10, 1809.20 ounce. The euro, 1.0223 against the dollar. British pound, 1.2093. The yen is at 134.94. Of course, all eyes out for the July consumer price index at 8.30 Wall Street time. Before that... We get MBA mortgage applications at 7. Wholesale inventories for June come out at 10. And Walt Disney headlines the list of companies reporting earnings today. That's a Bloomberg Business Flash. Now here's Michael Barr with more on what's going on around the world. Good morning, Michael. Good morning, Nathan. Donald Trump's candidate of choice has won Wisconsin's Republican nomination to take on Democratic Governor Tony Evers. Businessman Tim Michaels defeated former Lieutenant Governor Rebecca Cleefish, backed by former VP Mike Pence. Former President Trump will be questioned under oath today in New York Attorney General's long-running civil investigation into his real estate dealings. In baseball, the Yankees lost to the Mariners 1-zip in 13 innings. The Mets beat the Reds 6-2. The Red Sox lost to the Braves 9-7 in extra innings. The Nationals and Orioles won. The Giants and A's lost. Global News, 24 hours a day on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts from more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr, and this is Bloomberg John. Michael, thank you. 520 on Wall Street. We are live from the Bloomberg Interactive Broker Studios. This is Bloomberg Daybreak. Well, the U.S. inflation data today will shape investor expectations for Federal Reserve interest rate policy, the path ahead. Uh, let's get a preview of today's consumer price index with Bloomberg's Mike McKee. Is this going to be the peak? <laughs> That's the question you knew that was coming. Asking, yeah, um, this may be the peak for headline inflation. The uh, core is expected to rise. Strip out food and energy. The core is expected to rise because there's still a number of areas that are rising in price, especially real estate. Rent, uh, as it's measured, is still going up and will be for some months. So that puts pressure on the core. Also, base effects. Uh, Inflation was very low at this time last year comparatively, so it just makes it go up a little higher. Uh, but uh, if Wall Street sees progress, that may be good enough. Okay, so that uh, the, the, we're looking for the trajectory, and what do we need to hear from Jay Powell and company at the Federal Reserve? What specifically are they going to be looking for in this report? They're going to be looking for progress, basically. And that, that was Jay Powell's uh, comment on uh, the day they last raised rates, was that they're looking for significant progress that proves to them or shows to them that inflation is declining. Uh, we will get probably a lower headline number, as I mentioned, because gasoline prices have been going down. But they want to see more than that, and they want to see it sustained for a couple of months. So we'll see what happens today, and then we get another CPI report 
just before their next meeting. So what we hear from the Fed will probably be more nuanced than declarative uh, right after this number. To what degree does policy actually control the uh, rate of inflation with all this stuff? That's a a good question in this circumstance because so much was based on supply chain problems. Uh, The fact that gasoline is coming down has nothing to do with the Fed. The housing market is going to be cooling. We are already seeing sales cool and prices ease, but that takes a while to get into the overall numbers. Uh, That's an area where the Fed's having an impact. Um, Take cars. Uh, The Fed's higher interest rates are making it more expensive to buy a car, which should cool demand, but we're also seeing prices held up by the fact that there aren't a lot of cars to buy because they still have supply chain problems. So it's a, a little more difficult to separate out what the Fed is able to accomplish from what is uh, affected by external factors right now. They have that dual mandate where, you know, you have to have full employment and uh, try to control uh, price pressures or at least price stability. So does that mean they have to torpedo employment uh, to get prices down? Because the wages are a big component of inflation. Well, their argument is they don't, and the reason is we have so many job openings. If people lose their jobs because demand falls for some products, they could get another job. Historically, that hasn't happened, but historically we haven't had this many job openings. So you'll see a lot of people argue that they do have to torpedo the unemployment rate, send it higher to get inflation down. The Fed's still holding on to the idea that they don't have to really affect employment all that much to bring inflation down. And this is an argument that won't be settled for many months. How does worker productivity figure into all of this? Well, the problem for a lot of companies is uh, productivity has been falling. So if you're going to keep up with demand, you need more people. And we have had a labor shortage that pushes up wages. Now, if uh, productivity were to increase, and companies did spend money, remember, during the uh, pandemic to try to make it easier to get by with fewer employees because it couldn't get them into the office, uh, if that starts to have an impact, then prices that should also be deflationary. Prices should fall a little bit. But so far, there's no sign of that. The numbers yesterday still show major declines in productivity. Is legislation in Washington, fiscal policy, is that having any impact? No, uh, it will over a longer run period, but it'll be so small you really won't notice it. The issue is that the money that they're paying out compared to the overall size of the economy isn't going to be that great, not like it was when they were handing out stimulus checks. And also it's going to be spent over a number of years. Where you might see some benefit is in the CHIPS Act, the uh, Semiconductor Support Act, and in some of the infrastructure spending, that bill was passed uh, a year or so ago, and that money just hitting the economy. But if those help improve productivity, then that would be a weight on prices. What's the betting right now for the next meeting from the Fed in terms of uh, the rate rise? Markets are hovering sort of in between 50 and 75, yeah. and you're going to see a lot of volatility between now and then. So depending on what we see today, uh, we may see that go towards 75 or hang around 50. But I wouldn't put much stock in it unless you have to trade it today because by the time the Fed meets on September 21st, we'll have a lot more data that will influence their views. 8.30, the CPI, keep it here. Mike McKee, appreciate it. You're listening to Bloomberg Daybreak, ahead of the market open. We have Dow futures up 65, the S&P futures up 11, and the Nasdaq futures right now 48 points higher. This is Daybreak. 
Bloomberg brought to you by PPAC Private Wealth Management. PPAC Private Wealth Management knows that a portfolio is more than a collection of assets. It's a path to your future. Visit PPACprivate.com. Begin your financial legacy today. And it's now 5.07 on Wall Street. Time to bring in Michael Barr with more on what else is going on in New York and around the world. John, thank you very much, sir. There was a deadly bus crash on the New Jersey Turnpike last night. Authorities say one person was killed and five people were seriously injured when a passenger bus from New York to Philadelphia overturned near Woodbridge. Sergeant Lawrence Peel of the state police. Preliminary information indicates that at approximately 6.53 p.m., a coach double-decker bus overturned and came to rest on the entrance ramp to the service area. Sergeant Peel says the bus also struck a pickup truck. Former President Donald Trump says he will be questioned under oath today in the New York Attorney General's long-running civil investigation into his real estate dealings. The New York civil investigation involves allegations that Trump's company misstated the value of assets and misled lenders and tax authorities. FBI agents recently searched his Mar-a-Lago estate in Florida as part of an unrelated federal probe into whether he took classified records when he left the White House. Trump supporters are reacting to the search. Republican Senator Ted Cruz of Texas. This raises serious questions again about the Biden administration politicizing and weaponizing law enforcement. I believe Congress should hold hearings. We should have subpoenas. Senator Cruz blamed politics for the Mar-a-Lago search. White House Press Secretary Karine Jean-Pierre said President Biden respects the DOJ's independence. The president and the White House learned about this FBI search from public reports. We learned just like the American public did uh, yesterday, and we did not have advance notice uh, of this activity. Karine Jean-Pierre also urged China to reconsider escalating aggression, calling it provocative and irresponsible. Meanwhile, China says it will end Taiwan military drills and will plan regular patrols. Businessman Tim Michaels, who was endorsed by Donald Trump, has won the GOP primary for Wisconsin governor. Michaels defeated former Lieutenant Governor Rebecca Kleefish, who had the backing of establishment Republicans and former VP Mike Pence. Michaels will face current Democratic Governor Tony Evers in the fall. In Connecticut's District 4 GOP primary, Jamie Stevenson beat Michael Goldstein with more than 60% of the vote for a U.S. House seat. Stevenson will run against Democratic incumbent Jim Himes. Primaries were also held in Vermont. Global News 24 hours a day on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take. Powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr. This is Bloomberg, John. Michael, thank you. Yeah, it's coming up on 510 on Wall Street. Time now for the Bloomberg Sports Update. Good morning, John Stashower. All right, good morning, John. Seattle Mariners manager Scott Service called last night's game one of the best he's ever seen. It certainly had great pitching. The first game of the majors to be scoreless in the 13th inning since they put in the new rule where extra innings begin with a runner at second base. After four hours, finally, a run was scored. Eliza gets ready. Here's the stretch. And now the 0-2 on the way to Turan. Swing and a line drive. Base hit right field. Suarez will score. A walk-off winner. Luis Torrens. And in the bottom of the 13th inning, the Mariners win it. One to nothing in the 
Cairo, the call. Yankees wasting a Garrett Cole gem against the same Seattle team that scored six runs off him in the first inning of the game last week in New York. Cole battled with Luis Castillo, who made his third start in the last four weeks against the Yanks. The first one was while he was with the Reds, and he dominated them in all three of those starts. Speaking of the Reds, their bats again quiet at City Field. Mets won 6-2. Home runs for Francisco Lindor and Jeff McNeil. 13th win of the year for Carlos Carrasco. He's tied for the National League lead. The Mets have won 14 of their last 16. Only one of those victories was by one run, another by two. The other 12 wins, all by at least three runs. Atlanta won in 11 innings in Boston to remain seven games behind. When Jets tackle Mackay Becton limped off the practice field Monday, Coach Rob Sala at first did not think it was a serious knee injury. Then came the MRI that revealed it was. And the news yesterday, it's season ending. Becton hurt the same knee in last year's season opener, missed 2021 as well. Jets drafted Becton with the 11th overall pick in 2020. John Stashauer, Bloomberg Sports. John? All right, thanks, John. And ahead of the cash open on Wall Street, we're seeing Dow futures up 71 points. The S&P Emina futures, they're up 12 points right now. NASDAQ futures up 55. And you're listening to Bloomberg Daybreak. And Bloomberg weather from meteorologist Rob Carolyn. Clouds giving way to partial sun today. There is the chance of a shower or a thunderstorm. High today, 80 to 85. As showers, maybe a thunderstorm tonight. Lows in the mid-70s. Live from the Bloomberg Interactive Broker Studios, this is Bloomberg Daybreak for Wednesday, August 10th, 2022. Coming up this hour. Traders ready for the latest reading on inflation. Elon Musk sells more Tesla shares to prepare for the possible purchase of Twitter. The DOJ is poised to sue Google over its digital ad dominance. And Coinbase slides after an earnings miss and dim forecast. A bus accident in New Jersey has left at least one person dead. Plus, former President Trump gives his deposition today in New York. I'm Michael Barr. More ahead. I'm John Stashauer in sports. Another win for the Red Hot Mets. The Yankees lost in Seattle one to nothing in 13 innings. That's all straight ahead on Bloomberg Daybreak. On Bloomberg 1130 New York. Bloomberg 991 Washington, D.C. Bloomberg 1061 Boston. Bloomberg 960 San Francisco. Sirius XM 119. And around the world on BloombergRadio.com and via the Bloomberg Business app. Good morning, I'm John Tucker. And I'm Nathan Hager. Futures are on the rise this morning. It's coming up to 5.01 on Wall Street. We check the markets every 15 minutes during the trading day on Bloomberg. S&P futures up 12 points. Dow futures up 74. NASDAQ futures higher by 54 points. The 10-year Treasury is up 230 seconds. The yield, 2.76%. Yield on the two-year, 3.23%. NYMEX crude is down six-tenths percent, down 54 cents at $89.93 a barrel. COMEX gold is down two-tenths percent, or $3.80 at $1,808.50 an ounce. The euro, 1.0222 against the dollar. And the yen is at 134.97. John. And Nathan, all eyes are on this morning's inflation report. Economists predict a deceleration in consumer prices. They predict prices for July rose at an annual rate of 8.7%. Let's get more from Bloomberg's Michael McKee. Headline inflation is forecast to have eased in July in large part because oil prices fell, bringing down the cost of gasoline. While perhaps helpful, it won't have much influence on Fed thinking. That's because core inflation, stripping out energy and food, is expected to post another big increase. Rents in particular are seen accelerating, which boosts the home price component of CPI. 
While many commodities have declined in price on futures markets, those drops likely haven't worked their way into retail prices yet. Also, another big drop in productivity during the second quarter means companies aren't recouping all their costs, including labor costs, which rose at a double-digit pace from April through June. Michael McKee, Bloomberg Daybreak. Okay, Mike, thanks. This morning we're learning about the impact of President Biden's Inflation Reduction Act. It's set to become law in the coming days, and one major bank says the bill will hardly impact prices at all. Bloomberg's Renita Young joins us live with that story. Good morning, Renita. Good morning, Nathan. The Inflation Reduction Act is estimated to reduce the federal budget deficit by about $300 billion over the next decade. But J.P. Morgan Chase economists say the law will have almost no effect on the price growth that's currently running at the fastest pace in four decades. The nonpartisan Congressional Budget Office, the Committee for a Responsible Federal Budget, and the Penn Wharton Budget Model all agree that the legislation will have a minimal influence on inflation. Live in New York, I'm Renita Young, Bloomberg Daybreak. Renita, thanks. Meantime, we're learning the Inflation Reduction Act will have tax implications for corporations and middle-class Americans. Amy Morris has details from our Bloomberg 99.1 newsroom in Washington. Analysis by the Congressional Joint Committee on Taxation finds that corporations will pay nearly $296 billion more in federal taxes over the next decade, much of that from a new corporate minimum tax requiring billion-dollar companies to pay a 15% minimum. Households making less than $100,000 will see net tax cuts through 2025, mostly through Affordable Care Act premium subsidies. Taxes for middle- and low-income households are largely unchanged. The bill is set for a vote in the House on Friday. In Washington, I'm Amy Morris, Bloomberg Daybreak. All right, Amy, thank you. Let's turn our attention overseas now. Europe is in the midst of a heat wave, and it's evaporating the region's rivers. A major waterway in Germany is drying up, and that could have major economic implications. Bloomberg's Ewan Potts joins us live from London with the latest. Good morning, Ewan. Good morning, Nathan and John. The River Rhine is set to become effectively impassable to shipping later this week. The German government says the waterway will drop below 16 inches deep on Friday at a key point west of Frankfurt as the region's drought continues. At that level, vessels that haul everything from diesel to coal will be unable to use the river. It's yet another problem in Europe's worst energy crisis in decades. In London, I'm Ewan Potts, Bloomberg Daybreak. Ewan, thanks. Let's turn to the markets now. That's where earnings are weighing up. On semiconductor stocks, Micron Technology, the latest chipmaker, to warn of slowing demand. We've heard similar sentiment from NVIDIA, Intel, and AMD in recent days. That caused the Philadelphia Semiconductor Index to fall more than 4% yesterday. And earnings in the crypto space are also disappointing, John. Shares of Coinbase are down 6.5% this morning after posting a record second quarter loss and lower than expected revenue. Coinbase Chief Operating Officer Emily Choi discussed the results with Bloomberg's Emily Chang. I think it was a rough quarter for most companies. In the crypto space, we obviously had some big episodic events that happened during this quarter. And so some of those asset prices shrunk, which then impacts things like the assets on platform and other numbers. Coinbase COO Emily Choi speaking on Bloomberg Technology. Catch our daily Bloomberg Technology podcast daily, wherever you get your podcasts. And sticking with earnings, Disney set to report today after the closing bell. Bloomberg Intelligence says the company expects to see subscriber growth for its Disney Plus streaming service. But the big question is whether management will walk back future subscriber guidance after losing streaming rights from the, for the Indian Premium League. 
Well, we're learning this morning about another share sale by Elon Musk. John, he has sold another nearly $7 billion in Tesla stock, according to regulatory filings. The sale comes as Musk faces legal challenges in his bid to pull out of a deal to buy Twitter. Bloomberg Global Business Editor Emma O'Brien has more on the sale. Looks like he's looking to cash in uh, on a substantial amount of stock while it is at a decent level, around $850 a share right now, up from those lows reached in May, uh, just above $600. Bloomberg's Emma O'Brien says Musk could sell even more Tesla shares if he's forced to buy Twitter. Right now, Tesla's up 2.8% in the pre-market. And some big news from the search giant Google. Sources tell us the Justice Department is preparing to sue Google as soon as next month. The move would cap years of work building a case that the Alphabet unit illegally dominates the digital advertising market. The Justice Department declined to comment on further details. Ahead of the open on Wall Street, futures in the green this morning. Dow futures up 79. S&P e-mini futures they're up 13 points, and the Nasdaq futures right now up 60 points. You're listening to Bloomberg Daybreak. From Silicon Valley to Wall Street, the promise and perils of artificial intelligence are playing out on the world stage. But what will the next phase of AI adoption look like? Which companies from big tech to startups will dominate? And where do the risks and unintended consequences lie? I'm Emily Chang. Join me at Bloomberg Tech in San Francisco, May 9th, to answer many of the industry's burning questions. Alongside SNAP's Evan Spiegel, Xbox President Sarah Bond, OpenAI's Brad Lightcap, top researcher Dr. Fei-Fei Li of Stanford, and many more. More details and just a few tickets left at Bloomberg.com slash TechSF.